Hey Hi! Guys. Welcome to the ninth yes. episode <laughs> of Conversation Nuggets. The last one of 2019. Yes. Because New Year's is coming up. This is our special holiday edition episode of Conversation Nuggets. Do you feel like our last one was our holiday edition? Yes. I feel like- that was our holiday edition, and this is another holiday edition. Okay. They're both very special. <laughs> All right, I like it. So, what's going on with you? So, I discovered a new show called Letterkenny. And our friend BL suggested it to me a while ago, but I was like, eh. And then she made me watch it a little bit while I was helping her build her furniture one day. But I wasn't really paying attention. So, I decided during my holiday break that I would give it a good, like an honest chance. So, I did. And I ended up falling in love with it. So in case you guys had never heard of Letterkenny or never watched it before, it's about, uh, uh, it's like these Canadian hicks who, it's it's about Canadian hicks and it's about their day-to-day lives. And, you know, on the surface, that was really boring to me. So that's why I never like actually gave it a try until just recently. But I started watching it and actually the special part is, what's special about it is the script. So the dialogue, the delivery, like everything is very well written and the delivery is so rapid fire. Like you can't, it's it's like a sitcom, but you can't just leave it on in the background or else you'll miss all the jokes. So you have to like pay attention. So they just fire off like these jokes, like one after the other. And it's so like ridiculously, I don't know. I really enjoy that because I feel like it takes a lot of time and effort to write that kind of dialogue, and also to deliver it in such fashion. Ooh. And the whole show is like that. And there are eight seasons. There's about seven episodes per season, and I'm already on the last season. Wow. You must have done a lot of watching. Yes. But, okay, so when you say Canadian Hicks, what I picture is somebody just being like, eh? 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 Yeah, so they're, like, in a rural town, so they're, like, farmers. Like, think of, like... American like American like yes yeah, yeah they're that's like, what I'm picturing well they're like rednecks north. but Canadian versions so they're actually okay. not like they actually give rednecks and hicks like a good name like if like Canadian ones because they're not like like here you think of them and they're like very uneducated like racist or like whatever they get like kind of like that kind of bad rep sometimes uh-huh. but like I don't know. Well, I don't know if they're like that in real life, but the Canadian versions, they're pretty wholesome in in comparison. Like, all they do is, like, drink and get into bar fights all the time. And it's, like, a very, like, old-fashioned... I don't know. To me, I feel like that's a very wholesome thing. It's a very simple lifestyle that I wouldn't mind living. But it's Canada. Canada. I'm going to stop whispering just in case you can't hear me. It's Canada, and Canada's very cold. I could deal with it. Okay. All right. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> there was something else I was going to say about it, and now I can't remember. So, moving on. Well, it can't be that cold if the if one of the main characters is always wearing, like, short shorts and prancing around in very skimping clothing. Is it recorded in the summertime? Mm. Are they only no, ever no. indoors? No, it's like all seasons. It's like all throughout the year. Is she 
a well, not all polar bear. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, okay, so, so she she's not wearing that in like the summertime when, or like in the winter time when there's like snow on the ground. Okay. But like, so you don't understand when I say Canada's cold that I'm referring to the winter time. I know that they yeah, have but it's legit not always winter. There. Yeah, but winter. Ooh. But winter is short, anyways. No, it's not. <sighs> okay, it's, it'll. That's my two cents on the very important matters of Canadian weather. Anyway, that well, sounds like a enjoyable right. sitcom because it sounds witty. It makes me think of like Arrested Development, how like you can't, if you turn it on and you like walk away, you'd come back and be like, I guess. But like if you sit down and actually watch it, yes, it's like really it funny. is super witty. Awesome. Well, that's very exciting. I think you would enjoy it too. I'll add it to my list. I have a list on my phone of everything I need <laughs> uh, to watch. Okay. Um, yeah, we could like give it a shot, like maybe one episode or something like that. I'm down. All right, so what's going on with you? Um, let's see. I just got back from my mom's house today. I went down there for Christmas and saw my mom and my brother and my nephew, and it's a lot of fun. Um, it was really relaxing, good food. We had oh, our favorite meal. So my favorite meal growing up is pizza fondue. And it's just like chunks of bread that you dip in this like cheesy meaty sauce. Oh, that sounds awesome. We introduced my nephew to it. Who's like four and a half years old on Thanksgiving. And I was like, do you know, this used to be my favorite meal when I was growing up. And then he was like, this is my favorite meal. And I was like, oh, and then I'll keep the adorable nephew stories to a minimum. But <laughs> because this is what's going on with you, we taught him how to play goldfish goldfish go fish go fish it's okay um, when i was a kid i always thought it was goldfish too and he kept saying that he was like it sounds like grandma's saying goldfish and i was like no but she's saying go fish so um my mom got him like a little set of cards for like old maiden go fish and then like animal rummy so we played go fish a couple times and he like picked it up really quickly um and then he would play with either like sitting next to my mom or sitting next to me we would hold the cards for him and he picked it up really quickly but he had this habit of like the entire weekend he'd say something and we would turn and be like oh really so for example there was one part where we're playing go fish and someone told him to go fish so he reaches out he picks up the card and he says shark because i had a shark on it and i was like no 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 don't say that out loud what you picked up and he was like i was just saying it to myself and i was like <laughs> and then the next turn was my brother and he was like do you have a shark so he had immediately give away the shark. it was just really funny so that was like the prime example of him all weekend being like i was just saying that to myself and we're like oh okay so that's what's going on with me um and then I drove home today. Yeah. Right. Nice. Shall we dive in? Yes, let's. Okay, what is first? So the first agenda item is 5G and weather forecasts. So as you know, cell companies are working on um, rolling out the new faster um, mobile signal called 5G, which is supposed to be way faster than 4G. But apparently that is actually going to interfere with weather forecasts. So the thing is that the frequency, uh, frequency, I can't say it, frequency that 5G operates at is very, very close to the frequency that water molecules in the air vibrate at. So it's not exactly the same, but it's like close enough that it could cause interference in accuracy of weather reporting. So like the weather satellites, like they 
you know, monitor the air in like a certain region and they monitor, I guess, the water, the vibration of the water, water molecules or the yeah. frequency of the water molecules. And somehow they use that data to come up with our future weather forecast. But if there are like 5G signals also in the area that are operate like that are working at close to the same frequency, then that could interfere with the accuracy of the reports. Whoa, that's really crazy. I guess, well, I guess not, I guess. I really had no idea how weather forecasting worked or how they really did any of their stuff. I just knew it was kind of over my head and people joke that like being a weatherman's like the highest paid thing, but it's very stressful, but like literally you could be wrong every day of your life and still get paid to do what yeah. you do. But it's interesting to hear how they do it is based off of satellites that can actually be interfered with. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. I didn't know exactly how it worked either. I, I imagine satellites were involved, but I didn't realize that they were monitoring like the water, like the frequency of water molecules. Yeah, I would. I don't know. I guess I just would have pictured like a satellite up there being like, "Oh, well, it's passing over Kansas. I guess yeah. it's gonna come over east or yeah, come to like eastern seaboard now." And like, I literally thought they were just monitoring like cloud formations and like wind patterns based on like you know, um, measuring devices that are like actually on land and things like that. So yeah, that was very interesting, and I learned a lot just by reading the article. And if you guys want to check it out, there's a lot more in-depth information on at the link, which is at BuzzFeed News, by the way. Interesting. So, well, at least in the future, the weatherman can at least blame 5G signals for their wrong <laughs> forecasts. Okay, but it also makes me think, what was I listening to recently where they talked about like the farmer's almanac, which are like, how are those so accurate? They can like pinpoint what the weather's going to be like the week of April 15th to 20th, like 2045. And you're like, how do they know? And if they know, why are the weathermen getting it wrong? Like, it's just, I want, I'm curious how those work. Mm, isn't it based on like historical years? data? Yeah. Like hundreds yeah. of years so of like, historical data. Why do we have these two different things predicting the weather? Well, I think one's just basing things off of trends. And then if the trends repeat themselves, like pretty, like, I don't know, like, you know what they should do consistently is on the weather channel or basically on any channel where the weatherman stands up and is like, this is going to be your weather for the week. They should also have. And in comparison, this is what the farmer's almanac shows the weather's going to be. And then and I think they should have somebody dressed up as a farmer with like overalls, a plaid shirt, straw hat and like a pitchfork come up and be like, and this is what we predict. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And it could be like a split screen. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I just said, yeah, very excitedly twice. Could you <laughs> I'm very enthusiastic about it. It'd this. be like modern meteorologists and old-time farmers all neck meteor. Face-off. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, who's more accurate? You'd get so many views. I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd be really curious. It would definitely turn into like a trend. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. What's up next? Geoengineering. Ooh, Take which I feel like here. is kind of similar, but maybe not at all. Okay. So geoengineering, it's um, basically an idea that encompasses techniques to counteract climate change, not just to slow it down. So I heard about it because one of the Democratic political candidates um, 
running for president is in favor of it. So this is not to become like a political thing, but just the idea behind geoengineering was what I found really interesting since I'd never heard of it before. So the political candidate is Andrew Yang. So he said that in order to um, curb climate change, he said ramping up clean energies and cutting carbon and emissions isn't enough. So geoengineering is thought to reverse climate change. Um, he came up with a like $4.87 trillion plan with $800 million of it reserved specifically for geoengineering research. Um, he talked about how we need to be leaders in this and organize a global understanding because we want to make sure it's not turning into a war with other countries, et cetera, et cetera. It all gets very political. But there's basically two types of geoengineering. So one is called carbon capture, which is supposed to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Very cool. Um, the other is called solar geoengineering. So it involves modifying the sky with particles or clouds that reflect sunlight back into space to cool the planet. Um, so carbon capture is apparently already widely accepted as a safe and potentially effective climate fighting tool. Never heard of it before. Um, but there's critics of solar geoengineering who say that the risks of experimenting with the chemistry of the atmosphere are very high. Um, so Yang said that he had this idea or he was enthusiastic behind the idea of like a giant space mirror that could deflect sunlight back in space. Um, and he described it as like a hypothetical satellite with expandable mirrors. It could be launched into the atmosphere and then brought back to earth if it's not effective. But the scientists are concerned that the solar geoengineering experiment, like even if it fails, um, they said that after deploying like a satellite in one location, there could be varying effects that would be seen in other spots around the globe. So even if the geoengineering technology was failed, like was taken out and reversed, it could have already irreversibly altered the atmospheric chemistry or damaged the ozone layer. I'm curious how it would damage the ozone layer. I don't know. Anyway, they're the scientists. So I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. He does. Yang also said the reason I'm talking openly about geoengineering is that it seems highly unlikely that we're going to reverse the trend of emissions. He pointed out that the U.S. accounts for only 15 percent of global emissions. So even if we become extremely aggressive and forward thinking in terms of our energy consumption, um, we would still experience the worst effects of climate change if the rest of the world didn't join us. Um, he supports other technologies that are ultimately reversible if they don't work. So and I think you and I have talked about this before, about shoring up the, me the melting glaciers with dirt to prevent the warming ocean from eroding their bases. Um, and then his website, Yang's website, said he's also interested in cloud seeding, which is a way of making rain by dropping silver ions into the atmosphere. And that apparently has already been tested by Chinese and United Arab Emirates governments. So it was all like over my head, but like, wow, it was just like really interesting because you hear of like all the like climate change, we need to like stop it. But, you know, if we don't make really drastic improvements now, there's going to be no way to reverse it. But it's interesting to hear that there are supposed ways to reverse it, but just that we haven't. Yeah, I think like, I don't think any of those ideas are super new. Like I remember when I was in elementary school, I like when I first learned about like carbon pollution and things like that, I was like, oh, why don't you just create like giant air filters like where the factories are so that like they capture back the carbon and then like maybe they could turn into pencils because like pencils like graphite, which are made out of carbon. So like I was thinking about that. Oh, maybe not in elementary school, maybe middle school. 
But like, I guess we have technically have the technology to do it, but I guess it's not proven enough that it'll work. It's like a huge investment, and also there's potential a huge potential risk of, you know, it not working out. So I guess mm. that's why it's not really it really hasn't been implemented yet. Yeah, and it's interesting that like because these will be. I feel like these will, like, if it's implemented, then it'll be, like, a pretty large-scale project. It'll take, like, a lot of time and energy and money to do it. I mean, that's always the problem with government, though, right? Like, where's the money going to be allocated? And what's more important than something yeah. else? Blah, blah, blah. And it always ends up being a lot more expensive than what they planned it to be. It's true with anything in life involving repairs but i i guess i like that he's talking about it because you know regardless of who ends up being president or um it's just nice to see someone who's like made it as far as they have discussing something that i feel like no one else has really discussed on their platforms yeah i feel like in particular andrew young has talked a lot about like those kinds of like fringe technologies and like those kinds of ideas like yeah, yeah. I actually listened to another podcast episode he was on where he talked about everything else where like universal basic income, which they rebranded as like freedom dividends because that was more um, the conservatives were more open to the idea of it. They didn't like it, the terminology universal basic income. And then, man, he had a bunch of other ideas too that were like very forward thinking and different. But again, it's like, you know, regardless of who becomes president, it's cool that someone's getting these ideas out there because the more people hear about it, the more maybe someone down the line might finally do something with that idea. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, those are my thoughts. All right. I, oh, oh, just to add one more thing. I heard also along the lines of um, geoengineering, Elon Musk planned for geoengineering Mars to like create a more, to create an atmosphere, like a suitable atmosphere for us was to just nuke it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like nuclear bomb it. Cause that would in fact like create, help create, speed up the creation of like an atmosphere and like, Whoa. yeah, like to us, that's like I'm so totally confused. destructive, but yeah. apparently like, I don't know. I didn't look into the science of it, but apparently yeah. it'll work in theory. Maybe it's like <laughs> the opposite effect on Mars. Yeah. We should just, if only BL was not an environmental scientist and she was an everything else scientist <laughs> and we could just be like, please tell us more about this. Yeah. All right. Um, so the next agenda item is Amazon and their delivery system. So many of you know, or may have noticed that they offer one day delivery now. And there was a whole kerfuffle around them using third party um, delivery companies um, to make, to make that last mile delivery to people's houses. So what would, and they would be like super overworked. And what would happen is like the drivers would like end up being like way too tired or like way overworked, not even have enough time for like breaks or even to use the bathroom. Like they were specifically told by their supervisors to like pee in a cup or a bottle in the car. Ridiculous. And keep making deliveries. And they had to meet, like, a certain quota per day. So they were, like, rushing around. And with that, you know, you get a bunch of accidents. And there were like, quite a few deaths and lawsuits in, regarding these Amazon third-party deliver, uh, del del uh, delivery companies. So, mm -hmm. you know, Amazon is, you know, has been kind of pushing away these lawsuits by saying, oh, that wasn't us. That was just the third-party delivery companies. Go blame them. 
And then the delivery companies obviously are like, no, it's like Amazon's fault. Or like the people who are the um, the plaintiffs, they're trying to sue like Amazon because ultimately Amazon's the one who like who you know drafts up like the contracts and everything for the third party vendors and things like that. But uh, at the end of the day, I just I think they just want to hold somebody accountable. Yeah. Apparently, one of the victims of like one of the deaths that occurred as a result of those you know accidents was a Amazon, a former Amazon executive, the chief financial officer of Amazon. Yes. Wow. And I think at first they tried to kind of hide it. They didn't immediately reveal that who it was. Or like that she was one of the victims. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently one of their own former executives who was one of the victims. But I don't know. I don't think I was hoping this would be an eye opener for Amazon, but I really don't think that's gonna be the case. <laughs> Which is very unfortunate. Yeah, that's really disappointing. Oh that's crazy. And again, it's just Ah, okay, so this is a conversation that like my brother and I had over um, one of the past couple days where I was like, I wish I could see more companies that like I understand that Amazon's really successful because they prioritize customer service and they're like customers want faster delivery. So we're going to make it happen. And that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's one thing I find really frustrating about a capitalist economy is I was like, I wish there were more companies that cared about like making a good difference in the world, maybe making a better quality product providing a better quality service, maybe donating more of their proceeds to whatever charities. My brother pointed out and he's like, yeah, but at the end of the day in a capitalist economy, it's shareholders who own shares of the company and the companies are going to do what the shareholders want and the shareholders want profit. So they're going to do whatever gets them a profit. And I was like, oh, Ah, so it's just this like nasty circle of like the shareholders yeah. of Amazon want the profit. And Amazon's like, well, customers love great customer service. So we're going to make X, Y, Z happen. And it's just like this whole like chicken or the egg scenario thing that drives me crazy. And I'm like, why are we so stupid as people sometimes? Yep. Why can't <laughs> we just plan ahead people? If you need something tomorrow, maybe you should go pick it up at a grocery store. Maybe if you can't pick it up at a grocery store or anything within local distance, I'm sorry, wait it out. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately because as a corporation you need to think about like your value, like your shareholders, like whenever you make a decision, like if it's gonna increase the value or decrease the value, which is also like just a completely made up number, like how much your shares are worth. That's just like the perceived yeah. value of the company. So it doesn't actually mean that I don't know, there's no like anything inherently that that makes it that price other than like your perception of how well the company's doing. That's true. Oh, it's very frustrating. Yeah, I agree. All right. All right. Should we take a quick break before we move on? Sure. All right. We'll be back. And, and we're back. back. So the next agenda topic is called the three dots. Paul, what do you think this is in reference to? Oh, uh, man. So my first thought was, like, if you're, like, on an Android or, like, some kind of Google product and you want to reach, like, a submenu, then you, like, hit the three dots in the corner as, like, a drop down, and, like, that's mm-hmm. your menu button. That was my first thing. And then my next thing is, like, the three dots when you, like, say a phrase and then want to pause and then continue another phrase. That's called an ellipsis. Yes, that. <laughs> no! Both no! <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. So it's actually this adorable story about these three girls named Dorothy who were all born in 1919, grew up in the same hometown, Auburn, Maine, graduated from the same high school and celebrated their 100th birthdays together this year. And I was like, oh my wow. gosh, that's the most adorable story I've ever heard. That is way adorable. I was way off. <laughs> way off. Okay. So it says... Dorothy was the third most popular name for girls in 1919, according to the Social Security admin. Um, the ladies still get together a couple times a year for tea. And it gave like a really brief synopsis of what each lady did. So there's Dorothy Kern, who worked as a reporter at the Lewiston Sun Journal, where she met her husband. She later went on to get a second degree in library science, and she became a librarian at a local high school. Uh, Dorothy Buchanan attended business college and worked as an executive secretary at the American Red Cross during World War II. Um, she was a working mom and she later got a job as an accountant. And then Dorothy Murray worked as a secretary and later helped her husband run his business. When she turned 100 earlier this year, the mayor presented her with the key to the city of Auburn. Super adorable. Such a wholesome story. <laughs> also... Is Dot a short name for, for Dorothy? Dorothy? Yes. Oh my god! I can't believe I it took not, you that long no, to get that. I did not know that. <laughs> you were like, "Where are the dots? When is she going to bring up the dots?" Yes, yeah. those are the three dots. So, also, one of the Dorothys says that she recalls her fondness of Depression era pickle sandwiches—sweet pickles with mayonnaise between two slices of bread. That sounds disgusting. Um, but what I loved most, and I always love this about stories about like really old people is when they give advice for like the rest of the world. And they're like, what do you as a 100 or however old these leaders are all 100, but like every story and they're like, what do you wish the rest of America knew? Yes. Please so, impart your wisdom. <laughs> Dorothy Kern says she's surprised by how fast time has gone by. She said it never slows down and her wish is that everyone would slow down, pay attention to the planet and deal with climate change. Way to go, Dorothy. Thanks. Kudos. Okay. Um, Dorothy Buchanan said, accept other people for what they are because not everybody's alike. Everyone's not like me or you. So that's cute. Don't be judgmental. And then Dorothy Murray said, get along and love one another. And I'm like, oh, they're all just about like friendships and being sweet and please fix climate change. Yeah. You know, those should, those should be on the Bill of Rights. Those should have been like the three commandments. <laughs> yes. Please get along. Don't judge. Don't ruin the planet. Yes. So yeah, just thought that was cute. All you need is love for yourselves, yes. for others, and the planet. Yes. Just picture the hugging emoji. Yes. Aww. So wholesome. That was a lovely story. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. And now we're on to our last agenda item. So I just came across an article um, on Engadget which is a technology-based um, news outlet online. So LG is coming out with an indoor gardening appliance. So it looks like a cross between a giant industrial-sized refrigerator and a wine cooler, but you can grow, like, vegetables and stuff in it. And I think... I think it's a really good idea, but LG has a habit of releasing these kinds of like extravagant appliances that cost like literally tens of thousands of dollars. And I think their last one was like a laundry folding machine or like a oh my like gosh. a steam like laundry steaming machine, which like did everything for you. Like 
I would totally buy that laundry folding machine if I was like a millionaire because I absolutely You wouldn't hate. just have your maid fold it for you? Well, like, then, I don't know. You don't want a maid. Okay. No, I don't. Yeah. Then you have to, like, I don't know. There's people involved that have social anxiety. There's one more person you have to talk to in a day. So I'd rather <laughs> have a machine do it for me. Okay. Hmm. Sorry. I'm destroying the job market for like millions of dollars. Oh, that's a whole other conversation for a whole other time. Anyways, so the, the picture like a giant industrial refrigerator slash wine cooler thing. Okay. So it says that the appliance has enough for 24 seed packages. That's enough. And it'll have, grow enough food to feed a family of four. So, and I think this is, like, if this was a viable product, if this could be something that could be put in every home, maybe, like, as a part of the refrigerator or something else, like, I think it's a really good piece of technology because it'll promote buying vegetable or growing your own vegetables. Like, you'll have vegetables, like, on hand whenever you need it. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll promote healthier eating. Um, it'll be maybe help people um, eat more like vegetarian based meals maybe not fully vegetarian but incorporate more vegetables into your meals instead of like using meat or other stuff harmful things as like a um, filler or whatever I think it could be good for the environment too like if you help promote vegetarianism it'll put less of a strain on meat products and I don't know that's like way long term effects and like I'm just extrapolating here but yeah I I think this is a pretty cool piece of technology in my opinion yeah I mean that's really cool that would be really really cool if they were able to get it down to a size where it'd be able to fit into everyone's home and wouldn't that be really cool if everyone could yeah. develop their own green thumb and I've always wanted to grow like my own herbs like basil cilantro or is it called basil basil Oh my gosh, guys, I found another you know, word that he doesn't say correctly. If Chef Gordon Ramsay calls it basil. Isn't he I mean, British? Yeah, but also he's a professional chef. He's also British. And British okay, people whatever. say things differently. Basil. Okay, moving on. Basil. So, I have always wanted to grow my own herbs because I use, like to use a lot of them. And fresh herbs taste a whole lot better than the powdered stuff that you buy in like the little shaker containers. Like I at the do. Store. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's super convenient and I still use those powdered containers. But every once in a while, I do use like fresh herbs and it's like, it's way more potent. It like tastes like way different. Like even like black pepper, if you get like the grinder version rather than the one that's already pre ground, like mm -hmm. it makes a world of difference. You don't need to use as much. Oh, wow. And it tastes a lot better. So anyways, I've always wanted to grow, do that, but I don't really have the space. Then, like, I would have to put it out on my porch, and I would have to go outside and remember to water them. And, like, it's outside on my porch, which isn't always visible to me or always on my mind. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'll forget some days that <laughs> my plants will die. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like if you were inclined and wanting to have more vegetables, like, this could be a super helpful appliance for you. And I guess they do have, like, the... I've seen on Amazon, they have, like, those um, little uh, growing kits. It's, like, a little pot, and there's, like, a LED light over it and stuff like that. But, like, that's very small scale. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you had a family and you want to feed them, like, you have to grow a lot more. So I feel like something like this would help, really help along with that. I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be just be herbs. It could be, like, other But it sounds cool too. that it would be, like, all contained. 
in one area. Um, not like different little pots and stuff. And yeah. Then, so, um, it, yeah. So basically it is like, uh, oh, helps beginners grow vegetables. That's also cool. Yeah. And yeah, you're not limited to like, well, I have like one small space, so I'm just gonna, you know, only grow a little tiny vine of tomatoes. Like it sounds cool that they can grow different vegetables. Yeah. And then even if you live in, I imagine this whole thing is like temperature climate controlled. So even if you live in an area where, you know, you don't have the ideal temperature conditions or anything like that. You could still grow whatever you wanted in here. My only curiosity, I guess, is like how much energy it burns. Um, yeah, that's true. Hopefully we'll have But yeah, maybe out. we'll just have clean energy completely figured out by then. And then yeah. it'll just be this completely clean operation because yeah. it'll be clean energy and fresh veggies and less meat eating and... I think all the good stuff. I think Elon Musk just needs to focus on like really some kind of like super efficient solar panel. I think if anyone's going to do it, it should be Elon Musk, given that he's like creating all these electric cars, then he has to put up all these like superchargers all over the place. But what if you could just have it on your, on like the roof of your car? Mm. Like right now there's like, so there's like pretty efficient solar panels, but it's still, I feel like it's, it would still take a while to charge up your car, considering it takes, like, on, like, a standard outlet, it takes, like, eight hours to charge up your car. So, like, with a solar panel with much lower voltage, it would take a lot longer. So, I don't know. If Elon Musk could somehow figure out some super efficient solar panel that could be pretty close to an outlet, not, like, maybe not exact, but, you know, something that could be viable for, like, you know, the everyday person who doesn't have access to it. Like, like people who live in apartments like us could also get electric cars, not have to worry about charging, where to charge it up and stuff. Yeah. That'd so, be yeah. Really cool. So, super efficient solar panels on electric cars and indoor gardening appliances. I could think. you just tweet at him and be like, hey, Elon, I have a couple ideas for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I could just tweet at my buddy. I usually don't like to <laughs> bother him because he's super busy trying to land stuff on Mars, but... You know, I mean, yeah, maybe he can just add this to add this to his queue. Neither of us can talk tonight. This is a real struggle. Yeah, it's been a while. I think we've just lost we're our still, ability with all the days off work. Yeah, we're still trying to recover from vacation brain. Mm-hmm. Mid vacation. Okay, I guess that's it. Oh my gosh, have a wonderful New Year's, everybody. Yeah, we'll be back in twenty twenty. Yes. Thank Yay! you so much for listening this year. Hopefully next year will be even better. and We'll have a million followers. <laughs> yes, the first 1,000. Sure. Yay! Okay, bye, everyone. Bye.